Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge to Podcast. I have to say, uh, the Isner Wu final has just finished. So if we're both uh, too excited, uh, you know, more excited than usual, it's because of that. And we actually will start with some ATP uh, well, results, runs of Ibing Wu and Arthur Fields, because, well, we felt that uh, they should both be included with how much we've seen them on the Challenger Tour recently, how much we've been praising them and what they've done this week. So uh, maybe let's start with Ibing Wu, uh, who has just finished his final, the maiden ATP title. Jakub, what is your, you know, what, what is in your head right now when you think of Ibing Wu? You know, I I watched him obviously against Fritz. I, I thought that was an incredible win. I could not believe how well Isner was serving. Like it was just so good. Like obviously he's been doing this for years, but he, he has declined uh as as he's aged. He is now 37 or whatever. This this was a great run for him. Uh and to put out 44 aces to face 44 aces. And even those second serves that he was getting in that tiebreaker were very, very difficult situations. And to somehow emerge out of that on an indoor hardcore when the crowd is against you to come out of that as as the winner. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, 14-12 in the third set tiebreaker over three hours. I mean, yeah, what what, what did you think of this this final? <laughs> yeah, uh, Isner was actually just one ace short of that Ivo Karlovic record of most aces in a best of three set match um, mm-hmm. from Halle 2015, which is crazy. Wow. I mean, I, 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 uh, I was watching this with my father, actually, because I'm at my family home. Uh, and we started, uh, he tuned in at like five four in the third maybe something like that and i remember saying to him when isner hit, hit his 40th ace going into the tie break that it's impossible that he will break it in the tie break because it would have to be so long and it was almost <laughs> long enough and as you said i mean in that tie break evening was just uh he had to battle for everything isner was defending yeah. so well which was crazy and uh any point yeah, a moon ball Calling, yeah. uh, in that <laughs> he wanted it. He things. wanted it so much that he was basically running from side to side, which is of course something you yeah. never really see is there do. And yeah, it was it was just incredible uh, the way Ibing had to battle for everything. Isner's serve was just yeah booming aces um, until like nine nine or something like that. From that point onwards, maybe Isner had some um, had some weaker serves. Maybe actually Ibing had better guesses. Maybe especially on the match point, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. as as a whole, what a run. Um, as I just, I think I'm just going to copy what I sort of said in a tweet a second ago, but, you know, I said it a second ago, so it's still very actual, but uh, it's one thing seeing, um, you know, watching Wu over the past year or so on the Challenger Tour, uh, thinking that this is possible. One thing seeing that in motion, uh, the fact that we got that these matches, like you mentioned, against Fritz, Shapovalov, he he just made them look ordinary, you know, <laughs> compared, yeah. to, compared to even who Taylor Fritz looked like a basic player, like, I don't know, an Emilio Gomez or something. <laughs> Which is crazy, and um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that necessarily Ibing is guaranteed to uh, produce the sort of results that Fritz has done. Uh, I, I think it's not guaranteed at all. I mean, indoors is probably his best um, choice of conditions. Uh, there's also the the question of physicality, as always. You know, whether the size will matter at some point, whether the um, um, being injury prone will matter, but. Uh, yeah, for now, let's just enjoy this. Uh, he's got so much potential to grow his ranking this year as well with uh, yeah, him not playing between 2019 and 2022. Uh, this is this is definitely uh, one of my favorite stories in tennis all time. And and yeah, I mean, the final, I think we'll be mentioning that a lot when it comes to like, well, 
not not we on this podcast but you know we as a as the tennis community when it comes to like the best matches of the year or something and no one will even like remember what happened in the first 36 service holds or even in the first two tie breaks everyone will be just talking <laughs> about this one tie break in fact can we make this our match of the week i don't think we should but you know <laughs> if it was eligible i think i would have chosen it so yeah and <laughs> we, we we would have to if it was if it was eligible yes um uh, but yeah i mean it's it's incredible and and for for boo uh i feel like last year he was often talked about talked about maybe between us in, in general as a part of the sort of group of three players from china that like you know who, who's going to be the best one zhang wu shang and he I, I feel like we both had this feeling that he was going to be uh the, the one to emerge the quickest mm. the, the the one who was showing the most potential at the moment we'll we'll, we'll see where shang goes he's obviously yeah shang, shang still has a chance um, to, to join him probably yeah but now now he de- he definitely breaks away and and is that yeah. is that chinese superstar now for sure and we also had another uh great run from i, I guess now it kind of feels you know yeah. oh who, who remembers who remembers but, but, but yeah <laughs> we, we, do, we do remember about arthur fields who made the semi-finals in montpellier of course uh this was actually only his i think second atp tour uh performance after uh playing fonini in paris whom he had beaten in the uh, final qualifying round and then lost to him in the first round, uh, as, as Fonini got a lucky loser spot. Now he, uh, well, got a wild card into Montpellier and deservedly so, of course, after the after winning Guayrash and making the final Quimper, he beat uh, Gasquet, he beat uh, Bautista Agut, he beat Alice before losing to Sinner. Actually, he had two set points in the opening set against Sinner and then had a meltdown. But, you know, uh, yeah, what did you think of, of Fields this week? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for poor, poor Fields, he has an amazing run in in Montpellier. Being as as you said, Gasquet, Bautista, Good, Alice, only loses to Sinner. It, it pales in comparison to to what Yibing Wu has done, but obviously Fields is is younger uh, by by quite a bit than than Wu, and it is incredibly uh, just 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 exciting to to see that he can bring his game to the main tour and show this already at 18 years old. It gets him so much closer to the top 100. I think he's now about a, a hundred points away. Um, so yeah, really, really exciting for Mark Fields. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that pretty much every single opponent required something completely different from him. You know, Bautista, good, mm-hmm. you need to be so patient. Uh, Gasquet, he was, uh, Fields was just flying all over the court from forehand to one, from, from one court forehand to forehand. And then against Alice, you know, he, he, need, he basically played someone very similar to Barrer who just who had just uh, crushed him in the Quimper final and yet yeah, that's true yeah and and yet feels does it all and and yeah as you said he's much younger he also didn't have the the sort of results that Wu has produced over the past year or so he didn't have a crazy mm-hmm. 40 and 7 or whatever Wu's 2022 record was he had just won his first challenger title and yeah I, I think it's it's just super rare to see a player who's so um, explosive at the same time, uh, complete. Uh, you know, com- a lot of people have compared him to Tsonga already uh, this week. You know, because they're they're sort of. I think it's kind of natural for people to you know see someone from for the first time, for the second time, or something like that, and try to look for some player that from the past that they uh, sort of felt like played as in a similar way. And I think Tsonga is a pretty nice comparison, actually. I don't mind it. Um, I hate some some other comparisons that people do, but the reason why I'm mentioning this is. Uh, 
the fact that you know compared to Joe, he actually has a backhand, <laughs> and he he's got a very real backhand. You know, perhaps it's not a huge weapon, but it doesn't really need to be with all the other weaponry that he has in his game. So, uh, yeah, I, I am extremely excited for Fields uh, as as it was probably uh, visible or rather hearable <laughs> hearable on the show. I was a huge uh, believer in Arthur Fields, but. You know, I, I would be lying if I said that uh, last year when he had all these mental uh, sort of issues, trying to close out sets, trying to close out matches, always coming close to a big win and then never doing that. Um, I would be lying if I said I never had doubts. This really just clues them off very, very quickly. So, yeah, um, two amazing runs that we had to start from, even though, uh, of course, uh, we are dedicated to the Challenger Tour here. But, you know, these guys have basically played the Challenger tour over the past year or so so that's why you're mentioning that any final thoughts on on these two yeah i mean just just, just a quick quick thought on each i believe in Wu to win the match down uh the match point six seven in the third set tiebreaker uh so so that was a fun experience to sort of go along with that and <laughs> get frustrated with every ace uh but for for, for phil's uh it's just another sign that like obviously french tennis as of the current is is in a bad spot on the on, on the men's side uh you know i mean bonds he's a, a great player but but when he's your number one uh that's not necessarily the best place to be i'm really curious to see he's going to be the the year-end french number one at the mm-hmm. end of this season and and phil's has now emerged as a, as a potential contender because he is now yeah that that close to, to breaking into the uh the main tour here already show he has the level the ranking is not that far away so yeah, that, that that's a that's a good one. Um, I, I also read some tweets about this. Like, who's gonna be the French number one? And there's like ten options. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, you can go for I don't know, Alice Umber. Um, yeah, feels that this guy right now looks like uh, very much a possibility. These are maybe uh, Bonzi as well. These are these are probably the top candidates. But you wouldn't be shocked if it's like. Know, Rinden getting a couple of good results or now no, maybe mm. Mute coming back from the injury and and, and getting some yeah it, it's just uh, definitely very hard to tell and I think there's like no uh, Frenchman in the top 40 right now so that that gives a yeah. chance to even to outsiders like uh, feels well theoretical outsiders uh, outsiders because of their age uh, and yeah uh, I guess that's it then and we're gonna move to the challenger tour hey hello <laughs> uh, and yeah uh, there were two events the biggest one was in Vilnius and I was also there so we I guess we don't really have a choice in order uh, that is that is the obvious to start for Vilnius yeah that you blessed with your presence last week. You got to watch <laughs> Liam Brody lift his second challenger title, beating Zdenia Kolaj of all the people in the final. Very interesting. Brody obviously lost his first seven challenger finals, uh, gets the second title after, after getting the monkey off his back. And he was really, I mean, dominant uh, throughout the week, uh, beating Morang 6-3-6-1, Elias Imer 6-3-6-1, then getting a retirement from Furness who didn't win a single game in the seven games that they did play. Uh, then beating Jumhur 6-1-6-3, dropping just 12 games before the final. Uh, then beats Kolaj straight sets as well. He's now 35 spots up from his previous ranking, number 140 now. Uh, 44 points from his new career high ranking, 138 points from breaking the top 100. Uh, what did you think of Brody this week? And do you think that he could theoretically break that top 100? Is this the, is, is, is this the good opportunity for him? 
Yeah, I kind of knew this question was coming uh, about the top 100. I, I maybe I was going to bring it up if if you didn't, uh, because it's always been a, a topic of conversation, a point of conversation when it comes to Brody for sure. Um, we might actually start with the interview. Uh, why not? This one is, I think, pretty long, but I think it's going to be worth it. Of course, uh, yeah, just another really. Uh, well, it shows that if 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 the, the player is a native speaker of English, they're usually going to give you long answers even if they're you know not not really uh like trying to be super long or something like that but anyway here it is Damien right yes yeah yeah, yeah I know from Twitter yeah <laughs> yeah exactly I, I actually thought you might know me yeah. <laughs> uh, so you lost just 12 games on the way to the final yeah uh, what's been working out so well for you this week um I don't know I, th- I think over the course of my career I uh I probably got good at dealing with disappointment and uh, I had a, a good first round last week in Koblenz and then a, a tough loss against um, Vatu- Alexi Vatutin who's an excellent player you know and uh, and he made it really difficult for me and I came off the court and I felt really negative about my tennis and I was wondering you know 2023 might not go very well and obviously I'm 29 years old now as well so um, I was you know having some interesting questions in my head but I always find um, that often that tends to bring the best out of me. Um, if I look back over my career at the lowest moments, I always tend to have a good week the next week and the couple of weeks after because it kind of just motivates me that little bit more. Um, I changed the tension of my racket a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I went like five pounds tighter this week um, just so then I felt more comfortable on the ball. Um, and yeah, I, I feel great. Uh, so this is your first final since grabbing that first title. Yeah, yeah. long time. Uh, yeah, and of course Jeez. it was like, uh, it, it's a long time, yeah. so you had seven finals. Before, yeah. So do you yeah. think it's going to be easier tomorrow to stay pressure-free? 100%. 100%. I, I mean, there's always pressure every time I step on court, mm-hmm. you know. Th- this week, every match, um, the worst part is before you go on the court. You know, I, I feel very nervous before the matches. Mm-hmm. You know, I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm anxious. Um, but, you know, once you start to hit the first two or three balls in the warm-up, you start to feel good and you and you trust yourself again. Um I was actually thinking the same thing yesterday. If I make the finals, um, how will it feel? Um, but I, you know, the same thing happened to me in futures. And then after mm-hmm. I won my first futures title, I felt completely fine in challenges. I, I had a huge pressure on my shoulders for so long, you know, because I didn't want to be a player that had never won a challenger. Um, yeah. Because I felt like I, I you know, for, for the results I've had, I felt like I should have, have won at least one challenger. So tomorrow, you know, I mean, this week's been fantastic. I've defended my points and a little bit more. Um, so, you know, why not try and get an extra 40 or so? A few times this week, you also tweeted about the low attendance yeah. at the, uh, yeah. your matches. And I had, uh, today? who was the guy <laughs> that, that replied to me? There was like... Uh, uh, about the money? or No, there was, no. There was uh, Dirk Hordoff. I th- maybe he has something to do with ah. the tournament. He, he's, uh, I, 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 I think he's... He's Barankis' agent or something, mm-hmm. so I think he might have something to do with the tournament. So and he wasn't very happy. He said, okay. uh, "He said, oh, maybe you should uh, pay for the balls in your hotel yourself if if we're not going to charge for tickets." But today, yeah, today was amazing, you know. And I'm going to have to go on Twitter and and speak to <laughs> Dirk again and say, you know, it, it was it was a good attendance today. But I felt like during the week maybe it could have been, you know, I didn't realize the price of the tickets. Yeah. So it maybe could have been a little bit cheaper. Um, I think they maybe would have got more people in. Um, but you know again today was fantastic and and it's difficult because at the end of the day as a tennis player you want to play in front of people Uh, it makes it more fun but uh, yeah and maybe lastly something about Zdenek Kolas you played him twice in 2018 so what are you expecting tomorrow I mean 2018 was probably one of the worst years of my career but I actually had a couple of good matches with Zdenek I think I had set points in both sets in uh, 
Roland Garros when I played him. Um, I know he's a fantastic player. He works incredibly hard. Um, you know, he's really heavy on the forehand and the backhand. So these courts, with the you know, they, they react to the topspin really well. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously that's one of the reasons why he's done well this week. He did well last week. It's going to be incredibly difficult, but. <laughs> You know, today was also incredibly difficult, and I'm just going to see see what I can do. Just giving 100. percent Thank you. Awesome. Thanks like so much, that man. Thank you. And yeah, uh, this time I actually got to talk to him probably because you might not know yeah, this. We, but, he alluded uh, us in Bratislava, but the, the, yeah, this time we got him. He alluded. Uh, he alluded me in the Jakub in Bratislava. He had alluded me in the past before as well in Helsinki. I think usually it was because <laughs> I was I was uh, trying to uh, talk to him after he well after his match and he was losing that match. Here uh, he almost alluded me again actually after this time. It's because he just went through this weird ac- and exit. And I ran, basically started running after him like you did with Maroshan in <laughs> Bratislava. I wasn't screaming yet. I, I just came back, uh, you know, um, I got to him and, uh, well, we talked. He actually, uh, like, instantly, when I, I, I think I'm going to leave it on the recording. So you're going to, you guys are going to hear it. But when I, uh, when I came up to him, he said, Damien, right? From Twitter. So that was, that was fun as well. <laughs> uh, I kind of thought he might know me because he was. Chris uh, Kovacevic, now, Brody, you're, you're yeah. famous out here. He, he was liking yeah. some tweets um, this week, um, you know, some tweets from Vilnius. So I kind of knew, knew he might, uh, like, I knew, I knew he knows I'm in Vilnius. I didn't know if he was going to instantly recognize me, but he did. So that was very cool. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm I'm kind of famous right now. But uh, the reason <laughs> why I'm mentioning this, because there's also a funny story, because, yeah, I, I had to run after him. And that part of the venue was already closed off to the to the crowd and, like, to everything, because it was already sa- Saturday. And after we talked, he went to the gym and I realized that someone had locked me in <laughs> that area. And I, I had no idea what to do. I started walking around. There was an uh, emergency exit. It was also closed. And eventually, after like five or 10 minutes, you know, my other option was basically to go after after Liam and uh, his coach, uh, David Samuel, to the gym and ask them if they have any idea what to do. But, I, you know, that, that felt kind of off. I mean, I, I had to just, um, you know, take all of my options first. So I managed to, after like five, and then let's find uh, um, a lady who was cleaning uh, one of the, the rooms or something like that. And she had the, the buzzer to, to let me out of that area. So uh, I, I, Liam Brody almost made me stay in Vilnius forever. <laughs> you, 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 you've, you've walked into Lukas Rosso uh, naked in the room. <laughs> you've, you've, you've been locked in the gym. Uh, with Liam Brody and his coach, you you have the wildest adventures happen to you at these at these challenges. Honestly, that's true. I mean, Lukas Rosson wasn't even in the challenger, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's, yeah. that's clearly you know that's clearly if if anyone out there is wondering whether to go to challenger events, ITF events, you know, whatever. Clearly, you should, because uh, crazy stuff might happen. Um, and I actually also, um, I was even able to like go to the gym after Brody or something like that, because uh, they, uh, I, I don't think I, no, I don't, I don't think I, uh, I talked about it on Twitter, but uh, the guys from the organization, uh, someone at the accreditation desk basically screwed up and I had uh, tournament stuff in the, instead of media. But, you know, I, I never said anything to anyone because why? I mean, why would I? Uh, I wasn't using it to like get into the player's lounge or gym anyway but in this particular case it actually helped me um we were talking like you know not in the gym but a little ahead of the ahead of that place anyway 
uh, yeah, I basically haven't haven't said anything about actually actual Liam Brody's tennis this this week yet. <laughs> uh, but I think the stories were were pretty fun, so it's so it's fine. Uh, yeah, he was just absolutely rock solid. You know, I, I don't think it was just twenty games lost to the way to the, uh, on the way to the title is actually crazy. I don't think mm-hmm. he was, you know, like it was the best week of his career or something. I think it was also related to his opponents not really being able to stand up to him like at all most most of the time. Junkur just didn't have anything to hurt him with. Uh, Emer and Moraing, they were just wild. You know, Moraing isn't in great shape. Um, neither is Emer right now, probably. Fairness, of course, retired. So Kolash was the only really close match that, that Brody got. Uh, of course, we knew that it was going to be like a bit of a long rally type of uh, type of match. And uh, the guy who was going to prevail in most of them was going to win. Brody did that for sure. Uh, he played his game to the, well, um, yeah, he just executed it extremely well this week. Uh, it's um, in terms of breaking the top 100, would it shock us if he did? Uh, not really. I think it would shock us though if he like, um, yeah, had a very good run on the main tour that persisted over a few months, right? That that would be kind of. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the the first thing for him has to be that he obviously had that uh, run at Wimbledon that that, that doesn't count. Oh yeah, uh, and that he, he he's in this great ranking position, and and he would be much closer uh, if if that counted for him, unfortunately. But yeah, so um, he was in the he was in the third round last year at Wimbledon, right? Third round, yeah, third round. I'm thinking so that would be uh, ninety points to his ranking. So, ninety, yeah. so yeah, yeah, so so he would he would be like fifty something yeah. away. Yeah, yeah, about about fifty. That, that's a good point. Yeah, I I, I didn't really think of that. Uh, how close he would be and yeah I mean even winning Vilnius you know 100 points this is basically 20 percent oh maybe huge realistically him, yeah. more 18 17 of what you what you need to do so this is absolutely huge and as we said I mean he didn't even have to work for it that hard which is which is of <laughs> course uh isn't really true but uh you know yeah as I said I don't think he was you know, it was the best week of his career or something in terms of what he played. I think he was just really, really solid. And uh, also the courts probably suit him, uh, suit him uh, quite well. And, uh, uh, well, they were quite quite bouncy, moderately slow as well, I think, which is good for both Brody and Collage. And, uh, you know, especially the top spin forehand of Liam, I think, um, particularly maybe against guys like Jumhur, uh, you could see that uh, that high ball is is kind of hurtful for uh, for them. So, um, yeah, surprised with the fact that he got such a clean win. But when you really think about it, you know, it kind of makes sense with with how his matches worked out. Uh, but yeah, for sure, the, the second challenger title of his career, and of course, he has a two and seven win loss uh, record in finals after famously losing the first seven in a row, which was also mm. mentioned in the interview, of course. So, um, yeah, maybe right now it's going to just as as he said, maybe right now it's just going to be so much easier to play these finals. And yeah, I, I I wasn't thinking of him as a potential top one hundred guy at the beginning of the year, for sure not. But after this, he has put himself in contention, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had a very surprised finalist is, is Denis Collage, reaching his fifth challenger final, first one indoors. Uh, he's also won his last three, so this was his first loss in a challenger final since April 2016, where I had no idea he even reached this final uh, when he was 19 in Ostrava and lost to Lestien. Uh, but this week for Collage, he beat uh, Daniel Masur in straight sets, beat Rodionov 6-1 in the third, Escoffier 6-4 in the third. 
uh, beat Ilkel 6-2-6-3 after Ilkel won a great match against the Lourdes. Uh, but Stenio Collage up 22 spots from 192, back in the top 200 for the first time since September. What did you think of Collage this week? Let's start with the interview, uh, and then I'm going to mention something interesting as well. Um, so first, if you could comment on the match, it looked like it required a huge physical effort, especially in that third set. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, long rallies. Uh, opponent played very well, good serve. Was really dangerous from forehand side, so... And I know that I have to fight uh, for every point and believe in my game and stay focused for every every single uh, single shot and yeah i'm really happy that i won today because it was for me it was absolutely not easy last week you also reached the semi-finals in koblenz and at least from the stream the courts there looked very slow do these play very similar or are they different i think they are a little bit different uh, because they uh, in koblenz the courts was on the wood mm-hmm. wood and color on it so yeah, here is maybe the little bit higher bounces. Uh, not 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 the same, but in in some conditions are similar. And you've reached already two semifinals this year, also one quarterfinal in Ontopuri. So is it a bit of a relief after the second half of last year didn't go for you, you know, as you wanted? Uh, yeah, you know, I I changed some things and uh, I need a big rest after the season because what happened last year was not easy for me and, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I did uh, completely different uh, pre-season and everything with my father and in one coach and one person so we did a little bit different and uh, it's working now so I am very happy that that helped a lot. The things what we changed a little bit, not in tennis, out of the tennis. So, so yeah, I'm very happy, and uh, nobody knows how, how happy I am now. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and uh, by the way, Zdenek Kolaj is now the second player, I think, who appears on our show for the third time after Alexander Shevchenko. Zdenek Kolaj has appeared mm-hmm. on it uh, in Poznan 2021. And in Szczecin 2021, which is actually from a press conference with him, and then here. Uh, but, you know, to be fair, he made the semis, I think, in Poznan. He made uh, he won Szczecin, and now he made the final in Vilnius. So he basically... We're, we're his good luck charm, yeah. Yeah, he isn't even <laughs> giving the, us that much of a choice. I mean, he he, he just forces himself onto... <laughs> but as, as we... as we uh, I think we talked about him last, last week or two weeks ago, that uh, he's basically like a, a bit of a... Well, running joke is a would be um, very derogatory, but no, I mean he is uh, he's basically a legend of this show, you know, because of the fact that we mentioned the the doubles pedigree that he has so many times, because of the fact that we mentioned you know not really liking his game, but really liking him as a person. And um, by the way, I mean I have to say that both Brody and Kolash are just super nice. Uh, you know, it's so easy to cheer for when you. Well, not get to know them because, of course, I don't know them personally that well. But you know, just talking to them a few times—well, to Liam just once—but uh, to 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 Zdenek Kolaj a few times, you can see how uh, how Kolaj is just so uh, incredibly humble, honest as well. And yeah, after that, you just uh, really wish this guy uh, good luck, even though 
yeah, as we as we said, the game usually isn't that exciting. But uh, he talked about uh, you know just completely changing his preseason strategy, um, how the 2022 campaign, uh, the latter half of it, of, co- of course, was very hard on him. And uh, yeah, it, it seems to have worked. You know, even the the quarterfinal in Nontaburi, the semifinal in Koblenz, the final in Vilnius. Um, well, looks like he's winning his next challenger then because it is clearly uh, you know the pattern is there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, as I said, I think the bouncy court uh, suits him well as well. Uh, j- just like just like Brody, you know, the, it, it makes it a bit clay, a bit more clay like. Uh, he said it was a, as you heard in the interview. He said it wasn't really playing like Koblenz. That Koblenz, you know, because of that um, that very specific conditions there, it wasn't really like in Vilnius. But uh, yeah, the, the courts in Vilnius were were really nice for him as well. Um, he beat uh, some really that tough opponents at first, you know, Escofiero, Dionov, Masur, all guys with good power who um, seemingly would be, um, you know, favorite, well, probably favored to beat him. Yeah, I think I think all of them were favored to beat him, actually, in terms mm-hmm. of like betting odds. And uh, yeah, by the time he reached the semis, it was like pretty clear that maybe Kolas actually has a chance here because neither of Brody, Ilke, Jumhur, they aren't actually guys who will blow him off the court, right? Every, with every single one of them, he was going to be in the round. And yeah, he 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 came close. Uh, he was definitely Brody's toughest challenge of the week. And after that, I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying Zdenek Kolash is close to like making a top 100 debut because some people on Twitter have brought it up to me uh, this uh, this week, and I was <laughs> like, you know what? It, it implies it implies a lot of consistency that, that that we are that we are yet to see. I think yeah. because I mean the, the opportunity is there. Obviously, when you have a massive window of struggle. Uh, where you earn very few points, then when you stop struggling, you start playing better. Of course, that window of opportunity is there to grow your ranking, but we're still very, very far away from that. So I, I, I would hold our horses collectively. I think on this day, collage top one hundred debut. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but as you said, I mean, he only defends like seventy points at Roland Garros and also a couple of semifinals in April. And other than that, basically nothing. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm not sure I believe it. Uh, when he got to one hundred and eleven in two thousand twenty-two, it felt I don't want to say wrong, but. You know, it, it felt like something it sort of felt like Agamemnon getting to 108, where you kind of mm. felt like you know that decline is coming. Uh, but yeah, uh, fantastic stretch of free tournaments for him already. We'll see if he keeps that going. And as I said, I mean, it, after talking to him again after a year and a half, uh, I think uh, I just yeah feel even uh, feel that even more that that even though his game is generally not that exciting to me, I really want th- this guy to do well. Uh, he's just uh, yeah, he's just super nice. And then the same goes for Brody. It was a bit of a nice guy final. Well, let's talk about our semi-finalists now, starting with Damir Jumhur, uh, who got a retirement after the first set from Annie Laxon and beat Yegor Gerasimov 6-1-6-3 and got a second retirement from Denis Novak, who was up 6-2-4-4. So a bit of a lucky run to the semi-final, but a run to the semi-final nonetheless for Jumhur, his first one since Sibiu last year, which was in September. Any thoughts on what Jumhur showed this week? Yeah, the win against Gerasimov was good for sure. He just really made it a nightmare for the Belarusian. I mean, he uh, Jumhur, of course, has has such good hands, and uh, it, it's actually a pleasure to watch him when when it's working. I, I think I watched him a few times before live, but never really got uh, anything out of it, frankly. Um, oh, maybe Bratislava 2019, right? I mean, he had a good run there. He had a couple of decent wins, also against Kolash, I mm-hmm. think. 
Uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, this this week against Gerasimov, especially, it was just beautiful to see, you know, how fast he is, how uh, yeah, how he uses the dropshot, the variety to just throw uh, Egor off. And um, yeah, he just didn't have anything to like hurt Brody with. It always felt like a match that he's going to just, uh, you know, may- maybe fight a bit in, but uh, yeah, just not the weight of shots that is required, which is kind of the story of his recent career. Of course, there was a moment when Dami Jumhur was very much a top, uh, well, an ATP tour player and a very good one at that. And uh, yeah, the, the retirement against Novak, as uh, I mean, Novak's retirement, as you said, I mean, he just twisted his ankle. Junghur was definitely not the best player there, which is also a bit of a, a throwback to Bratislava, right? Because that was the final in 2019 mm-hmm. when uh, Novak <laughs> won, in, won in 55 minutes. This time it would have been longer. Actually, Junghur had just broken back when Novak twisted his ankle, but still, he was not the better player there. Definitely not. Yeah, our other semifinalist was Chem Ilkel, who beat Sevdarosic locally and Delur before losing to Kolash, his second semifinal already this season. He moves up 24 spots to number 279, returning to the top 300 for the first time since July. What did you think of Ilkel? Yeah, Ilkel actually had the chance to join Kolash and Shevchenko and appear here for the third time, but he he eluded me after his uh, quarterfinal win over Delor. <laughs> and then I was, you know, I already had Kolash and I wanted to talk to him after after he beat Kolash. But it turns out that that thriller, which was amazing again against Delor, mm-hmm. just like in Uairash, it turns out that that thriller took a lot more out of him than it seemed because he was the much fresher player in that quarterfinal in the third set. And yet here, uh, you know, in the semis, he just couldn't get himself going at all. But yeah, another very good run for Ilkel. He's at like a crazy win-loss record since, uh, well, since Vilnius last year, actually. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's because of that, but I think in a way, maybe that's uh, that break that he had, of course, uh, for all the wrong reasons, because it was due to the, the death of his sister. But I, he's been a different player after that break. Um, you know, maybe just stepping away from the game for a few months actually, uh, you know, help his tennis, even though, of course, personally, it was it was terrible and and, and a tragedy. But uh, yeah, the the patch of play that Ilkel has had since Vilnius, uh, October to Vilnius right now, I don't think he's ever been as consistently a top challenger player. Yeah, let's talk about some other guys, uh, starting with Denis Novak, who got wins over Richard and Richardas Berankis. Uh, as we said, was up on Jumhur as well, but twisted his ankle. You got the chance to speak to him, right? Um, yeah, uh, we have Denis Novak here, so let's let's do it right now. So you were one of the few players who skipped the Australian Open qualifying and went to Thailand instead. Could you talk about the decision? Uh, yeah, um, I was actually... I'm sure about this because uh, I wanted to have some matches, maybe get good points, which worked out really well because I I won one one semi-final, so uh, yeah, that was my plan and uh, it was working out good. Uh, You recently became a father for the second time. Has that influenced your mindset a lot? Uh, Yes, of course. I mean, (laughs) losing um, is not that bad anymore because I can go home, see my family. But um, yeah, of course, I'm also playing for them, so I want to achieve my very best and uh, play also for them and hope they see me playing sometimes. And uh, we don't know still who your second round opponent is going to be, but it could be Berankis. Would it be something special for you as well to play him in, your, in his hometown? 
of course, I played him twice, I think. I lost three times, three think, times yeah. and I lost, I think, all three yeah. matches. So I still have something open with him. So it would be nice to play here again, actually, in, in his hometown. But um, I think it's a tough match. But we'll see. I prepare the best I can and we'll see. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so how did you manage to turn it around? Uh, I don't know really. Uh, I was until 1 6, 1 3, I yeah. think he was playing really good. Didn't miss anything, uh, didn't give me a chance to play, and uh, somehow it was one really close game where I had five or six break points. I think I broke him luckily with, with a double fold. I think this gave me confidence, and uh, after that, I think I played a really good match. Thank you. Yeah, some, some nice quotes there about uh, you know, becoming a father for the second time and all. Um, I, yeah, he, he seemed like potentially a contender for the title for sure. Uh, you also heard him talking about the Baranki swing that, that he never, that he like doesn't really know how he turned it around. That was also how it looked from the stands, like when, when Barankis was 6 1 3 1 up, I think, and then lost the next nine games. Uh, but yeah, Novak, uh, was going to be in the semifinals here, was probably going to give Brody a very tough test. Uh, but, yeah, he, he twisted his ankle, which was, of course, very, very unlucky. Uh, usually it's not an, uh, it's not an injury that stays with you for long, right? He should be good to go in like a month or something like that, maybe even shorter, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully it's not, it's not a big, um, tour or anything, but yeah, Novak, Novak definitely looked like a title contender. I was actually sort of expecting an Ilkel. Uh, well, Ilka or Delor against Novak final. Uh, of course, that didn't pan out really for either. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Delor, he made the quarterfinals here, as we said, lost in a very, very tight match to Jim Ilkel. Uh, but before that, he beat Dominic Stick at dr- dropping just four games, also beat the FCF now 12 and 3 on the Challenger Tour in 2023. Uh, what did you think of Delor? Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty uh, a pretty weird win over Streaker, and I guess I'm gonna give it uh, well to the man himself and to to try to, to try to explain what happened. So let's let's do the interview now. Uh, so a six three six we six one win over the top seat. Could you? Yeah, what's your take on the match? What uh, happened out there today? Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't think he really uh, tried from the beginning. I was just solid, but. Uh, I think he was maybe he was injured, maybe he was mentally. I don't know. So, is this the best form of your life? What you've been doing this year? Do you think you're now a better player than you were before your before your injuries? Yes, for sure. I think I'm playing way better than before. Um, I'm also a little bit a little bit older, so more experienced. So I think I'm in good shape and I'm trying to go far this week. And while you were away, was there any moment when you thought that maybe you weren't um, you, you weren't going to be able to come back? Was there any moment where you lost hope that you were going to you know, be, be back out there and play the really. tennis of your life? I think uh, it was a long time I didn't play, so it was not easy. But I didn't think of stopping, so uh, I'm happy I didn't stop and I'm happy I'm, I'm here. And, and let's try to take it uh, week by week. Thank you. Yeah, and um, as he said, he he was kind of blunt about like Streaker not trying from the beginning, which you kind of rarely hear. But um, I guess maybe um, yeah, uh, Delor felt comfortable saying that, which I appreciate. You know, I like players being honest, and that's actually true. Like Streaker just never really gave a 
you know, damn about this much, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, he just came out and started blasting the servant forehand, and this was basically the only points he was winning. Maybe if the lore was weaker, maybe if he wasn't serving like that, maybe if the ball wasn't so heavy and making it tough for Stricker to win the rallies, maybe it wouldn't have looked like that until the very end. Maybe um, you know, maybe Stricker would have won the first three, four games. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he was injured. Uh, as as Dolores said, he doesn't. He also like didn't have a clue if it was a mental issue or 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 just a, an injury. Uh, but yeah, a pretty weird win. But it doesn't take away from how well Dolores played in you know uh, in, in the, this week as a whole. As I mentioned earlier, I think against Ilka uh, in the third set, he just didn't have the legs anymore. And eventually, uh, Ilka was definitely the stronger player over the course of the last twelve games of that match. Um, can't really be angry about this. If he won this title, he really would have put himself in the top 100 contention. As it stands right now, it's still very, very doable, of course. It's still another good run for him. He's playing Sherbrooke next week, definitely one of the contenders to win that as well. And uh yeah well he he can he can go really far this year with this with this sort of game that he that he has right now and as you said as you as you mentioned as you heard i mean he he says it's the best form of his life and we definitely have to agree yeah we also had richard das berankis in this tournament obviously as the lithuanian number one he had a, a bit of a weird run coming back from a set down against chelik bilek to being six four and the third and then, as you said, was up on Denis Novak, lost that match. What did you think of Berankis' week? Yeah, he was definitely... Actually, let's start with the interview because I'm going to mention something. Uh, it, this one is just two questions, so it's going to be really short. But uh, while talking to him, I forgot the third one. And I was like, ah, okay, yeah, I'm not going to make you wait. Let's let's just let's just wrap it up. Um, so here you go. So, do you feel stronger? Do you feel in better form now than you were in Vilnius in October? At the yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. I feel much better, and uh, yeah, just now I just need matches. I'm really fit. I play good during the practices, and now I, I just need to bring my A game to the on the court during the matches. On the weekend, you played Davis Cup here against Pakistan. You lost to that team in last year. Could you tell me what's so tough about playing them in uh, on grass in Islamabad? Because it was not a grass, it was a field. And that's how they won against us, same like against Slovenia. Slovenia yeah. I, I, it was not fair, to be honest. Okay. It was unfair from their side because the quality of the court was unmanageable. Yeah, and as you as you heard, he said he felt a lot stronger than the October Vilnius event, and you could see that from the, from the get go. I mean, he just had any uh, well a, a lot better match practice. He was fitter. Um, he probably would have liked his draw from Vilnius October back, right? Because he played um, what was the name of the Lithuanian wildcard? He played Saba, something like that, right? Sorry, it started with an S. I'm I'm gonna find it in a second. Uh, but then he lost to Dan Adet, and here he had to play Chelik Bilek, the Novak. You know, this there's a big contrast there. Mm. Uh, so uh, Sabaliauskas, yeah. Uh, so uh, you could see that he's in much better form. He was dominating Novak un- until six one three one. What happened then? I don't know. I mean, no- Novak won a very long game that gave him some confidence and and Berankis just uh, lost his timing for a long, long while. Uh, a bit of a shame for the event as well, for sure. But I mean, at the weekend, there was a good turnout anyway. But 
uh, still was super fun to see Berankis fight like that in front of his home crowd. Uh, definitely one of the brightest moments of my week was uh, Berankis uh, breaking twice in the third set against Celik Bilek. Uh, you just, uh, you know, it, it just put a smile on your face seeing, sitting there, uh, just being in the crowd, even though, you know, I, I'm not like a fan of either player. I, I wasn't rooting for anyone actively, but uh, just, just being there, you know, seeing all these people happy and um, clapping and like the, the crazy atmosphere, just instantly you, you have a smile and uh, and that was super cool as well. Um, just like in October, actually, but uh, at least this time he actually showed so much good tennis as well. Yeah, and our last interview that we have is Otto Vitanen, who beat Kai Sprawet in the first match, retired after the first set against Escoffier in the second round. Uh, yeah, what did you speak to him about? <laughs> yeah, I I spoke to him after the first match. Honestly, I was expecting him to do very well in this event after he beat Brower. Um, why he didn't, I'm going to say uh, in a second. Let's maybe roll with the interview now. Um, so you were, you were part of the Finland Davis Cup team on the weekend. Of course, you lost your match, but could you tell me something about the experience of you know, making the World Cup as a team for the first time in Finland's history? Yeah, I think it's been a dream for all of us. We, we had pretty much the same team for last four years maybe I've been part um, so we have really good team spirit and everyone knows each other really well uh, so that's why it means for us it means a lot because we have always the same guys same captain same people around us who's helping us and making it possible so I think it's, uh, it's like a small family we have that's why it's like a big thing for everyone do you think uh, top 100 debut is an achievable thing for you this year is it something you're aiming to do this season yeah absolutely that's the yeah, I'm aiming for the top 100, uh, uh, yeah, pretty much that's the main goal, play the slams, main draw, start, have a steady, like, base to always, so yeah. And would you say that over the past um, six months or so, would you say that you've added another layer to your game in terms of, like, uh, playing percentage tennis when you need to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so do more safer shots, maybe smarter shots. Uh, also, also, yeah, maybe just to grow up and, you know, look in the mirror and do something different and uh, play like a, you know play like a man or like look how they best do it so then that's why I like learned a lot in the six months I know obviously it's been more than six months but yeah okay thank you thank you yeah um Vitanen, after his first round match, uh, well, before his second round match, more more, more like, uh, he was uh, throwing up all night or something like that. He just got sick. Oh. And yeah, he was walking like a zombie against that, against the Scofia from the, from the get-go. And just never really had a chance in that one, which is a shame uh, in terms of, you know, uh, we, we would have liked to see uh, him at least, at least play a decent match, maybe win. Uh, he's definitely still an exciting prospect that um, keeps having some issues that maybe uh, a lot of the time aren't really uh, like they don't really depend on him like the back injury at the Australian Open qualities where if he beat Jari he would have been the favorite to qualify from that section uh, but but yeah he he is probably gonna uh, figure it out at some point you also heard him say a very interesting phrase of well uh, learning to play like a man or something like that which is which is very <laughs> yeah it caught me off guard I mean before any feminists attack us or attack Otto Vitanen he means that in contrast to a boy or you know 
a young uh, person or whatever, uh, rather than... potentially as as like you know playing the pros compared to a junior. Yeah, pro, a junior, a, a, yeah. a man, a boy, something like that. Not not actually man, woman, woman. I mean, he doesn't say it, but I think it's clearly implied uh, with the the way yes. he says that he wants to find smarter, safer shots, and that he he means as as playing like a man, and that's exactly what he needs, and and he has been doing that. Uh, well much better in the past uh, six months or so as he also says in the interview so uh i think it's still um well his answers are interesting enough for us to uh, to, to uh put this in the episode even though yeah his tournament came to a, a bit of an abrupt end all right and over in the doubles we had lutarevich my bad and manafov lift their first title together after four itf titles for Lutarevich, Jesus, I'm really struggling with this one. His first challenger title, fifth one for Manafov. They beat Arjun Kade and Daniel Masur. Kade, who I had no idea, was uh, Julian Cash's college partner at Oklahoma State. Uh, they play doubles together. Oh. And uh, Masur, obviously 11th final, played a lot with Ben Elmans. Um, But yeah, Lutarevich and Manafov were your I actually had no idea Arjun Kade played college. But yeah, I mean, learn- yeah, I, I found out today when I was writing these notes. Yeah. You learn, you learn something new every day. Yeah, and the doubles honest, as well. Honestly, just like in uh, in the Venus October event, the doubles wasn't really interesting to me. There was a lot of wild upsets too, like Butfilas Ferrari taking out Acerik Molchanov. How, is, how yeah. does that happen, right? And I mean, then <laughs> Kade Masur winning just uh, dropping just five games to Arnaud Weisborn, who won the Venus October event. And then Lutarevich and Manafov. the number one team right now, uh, so far this season. Oh, yeah. Otherwise born. Yeah. And then Lutarevich Manafov dropped just two games to them. Yeah, and I was really, I was really enjoying Dravetsky Valkov though until they lost, of course, uh, and I was probably cheering uh, for them a bit too much, uh, you know, in regards to my tournament staff status, but. <laughs> 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 well, I wasn't really a tournament star, so you know, I, I hope it's fine. It's a little unprofessional, but who who can uh, blame me? Let's uh, let's talk to uh, talk about Tenerife then, right? Yeah, let's go to Tenerife number three uh, with Matteo Gigante as a lucky loser, winning the whole thing over Stefano Travaglia. Uh, Gigante winning his maiden title, of course. Uh, in qualifying, he beat Whitehouse before losing to Giovanni Fonio, uh, who went on to make the quarterfinals in his own right. But Gigante got that second chance in the main draw, and he took it all the way, beating Rincon in straight sets. Passaro coming back from a set down to win 6-2 in the third, uh, beating Yamas Ruiz in the quarterfinals, coming back from a set down again against uh, Bonadio to reach the final. In the final, it was probably easier than I expected, 6-3, 6-2. Uh, but for Gigante, he gets to break the top 200 for the first time in his career, rising 38 spots to number 194. How did you enjoy the Italian this week? Yeah, he seems to just have Travaglia's number, right? I mean, he also beats uh, <laughs> him in Tenerife 2, 6-3-6-1, and now 6-3-6-2. I think Travaglia was also kind of tired in the final, but in general, I think, the uh, well, he's had a pretty rough time against lefties recently, 0-7 in 2022, in fact. Mm-hmm. This year, he's already beaten Gianessi in this event and Arnaboldi earlier, but still, uh, two losses to Gigante, and he really seems to be uh, just... Um, 
yeah, just making it uncomfortable for him. Uh, great run from Gigante, who is that sort of maybe second tier Italian in our minds. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he, he could, he, well, that, that's actually, uh, you know, comprehend- within, within, within the challenger circuits, because yeah. if you expand it to all Italians, he's probably like the fourth tier Italian that we think about. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but also, uh, but also that, that is actually like not really. Um, a disgrace to Gito Gigante or anything no, like not. that. I mean, no. it's just it just means how many Italians we have out there. But yeah, uh, he he was a lucky loser, as you said. But throughout the week, uh, well, he he was that sort of second tier where we thought that at some point he might do it. Uh, he definitely mm-hmm. has a nice lefty game, maybe a little less um, less variety than Belucci, but they they have some similarities for sure with how uncomfortable they can make it for their for their opponents. He is very fast as well. I think probably faster than the uh, than Bellucci, who sort of I I have them. Um, well, I think at uh, uh, until recently, until Bellucci got these two uh, titles in in October last year, I I sort of w- was grouping them uh, together. Someone on Twitter today uh, also commented about uh, them being like Francis. Uh, uh, Gaston and Mute, I think, <laughs> and and I think Bellucci was the Mute and uh, Gigante was Gaston. I think Bellucci as Mute works a lot better than Gigante as Gaston, but still, I, I found it pretty funny. And yeah, fantastic run for him. Also had to win two matches on Saturday, which I thought was going to be a big advantage for Bonadio, uh, but Gigante was actually much fresher in that in that third set. So great physical effort as well, and um, yeah, he bro- broke into the top two hundred and also. You know, puts himself in contention for a top 100 spot. It, it's not impossible for him to do it this year. Yeah. It would be somewhat un, un, unexpected because it would, well, if we think that some of the Italians that we thought will do it are not, are, are actually not going to do it. But so far they're, they're all doing really well and they're all probably gonna, <laughs> gonna break it, frankly. But, uh, yeah, Gigante, uh, as a lucky loser, great run. And, um, he's also like, he keeps showing that probably, uh, well, it, it's very hard to say on which surface he actually plays better, it, and it very well could be hard courts. Yeah, as for Travaglia, the, the more veteran of our, of our two finalists, it was his eighth challenger final, his first one since September 2021 in Sibiu, second one on a hard in his career. Uh, he started with a 6-2-6-2 win over uh, Kruti, then double bageled Gutierrez, who was another lucky loser in this draw. Uh, as you said, to Cauchanesi in the quarters, beat Ryan Penniston in the semifinals, 6-2 in the third. Even though he doesn't win the title, this is still huge for him, moving up 98 spots to number 311. So, you know, Travaglia, arguably, I mean, most likely fighting for his uh, career this year. And boy, is he fighting. What did you think of him this week? Yeah. Uh, I think I had Krutik as a pick and he got just demolished. <laughs> you had Shevchenko. We also both had yeah, streaker. Yeah, we, we had Vilnius. horrible picks this week. Horrible picks. <laughs> yeah, all of our picks just fell in the first round. Uh, but in fact, you know, would we be picking Brody and Gigante? By the way, both no. uh, both lefty champions. Uh, anyway, Travalia, as we said, as you said, uh, I mean, Travalia getting to 311. If you told me that a year ago, uh, that would sound like, you know, a, a bad dream, I know, a nightmare, something like that. I mean, it, it's just impossible that sort of talent that he has. Uh, but yeah, even, even at the end of last year, after, after these injuries that he had in 2022, he, he was showing already like a top 200 level. 
uh, it was easy to get discouraged, though, by what he was doing before this week, this year. Uh, I mean, the, the loss to Michalski and Hard, the, the loss to Gigante winning just four games, which he kind of almost repeated this week. But still, in patches, he was excellent. And of course, the guy is really supremely talented and, uh, to me, deserves to get back to like the top 150. As you said, uh, it's it's probably like a last call for him to do that like if he has mm-hmm. one more year of struggle uh maybe it doesn't happen but uh yeah i would love to see him get back there and uh when when on form he's just a joy to watch really yeah let's talk about our semi-finalists starting with ryan peniston who beats Svechina, Shelbach and fonio en route to his second challenger semi-final this year already what did you think of peniston this week I had this great transition uh, prepared, um, which oh, suddenly came sorry. to me. No, it's, I mean, it suddenly <laughs> came to me uh, that, you know, speaking of joys to watch, and then I was going to talk about the Bonadio backhand, but you mentioned <laughs> Penistan, who's a little bit less of a joy to watch, but his match against Travaglia was actually really good. Um, I rarely enjoyed Ryan Penistan as much as I did in that match. Uh, and yeah, Penistan... Uh, also, if he won the title, I would have put himself in contention for the top 100 again, and at least yeah. until the grass season. Uh, he didn't do that. Um, you know, he would have had a better chance than Travaglia against Gigante, probably. Uh, but he's, he's time and time again sort of proved that if he gets uh, a good challenger, a good draw in a challenger event, especially in a slightly weaker one, as the Tenerife event certainly, well, maybe it wasn't weak at first. It kind of got weak after the, the first couple of rounds. Uh, but yeah, he's proven that time and time again that he can clean up and he cl- cleaned up, you know, Fonio, Shellbach, Tina, all of these youngster who, youngsters who, uh, well, Fonio maybe isn't that much of a youngster, but these youngsters and like players that um, sort of um, felt like they, they could prove something this week. He just, yeah, he just cleaned them up so easily. And mm-hmm. and that was, that was quite impressive. Uh, that's actually, I think, sort of the thing he specializes in, you know, beating guys who kind of have something to prove like even you know root on grass or something like that that that's the sort of wins that Ryan Peniston is is getting and that's that's also a, a, an achievement definitely yeah I mean one could say that it's a joy to watch and speaking of joys to watch we have a <laughs> starting with a win over Filip Misolic who retired deep into the second set Bonadio then also beat Moreno de Alboran and Maestrelli, both in straight sets, was very close to reaching his second final in that match against Gigante, but couldn't quite make it. Still makes his first challenger semifinal on hard court. What did you think of Bonadio this week? Yeah, that was a very unexpected chance at a challenger title for Bonadio. And of course, at the age of uh, 29, 30 in a few months, there's no telling how many he'll have. He only had two so far, but I mean, Alcaraz, Shevchenko, uh, these are very tough rivals on clay. Here, maybe maybe there was a chance, but he will be kicking himself for that Gigante match for sure. Because, well, Gigante, as I said, mm-hmm. was played his quarterfinal earlier that day. Um, but still, the best run Bonadio has ever had on hard courts for sure. I think I, I checked it, and I think before this year, he played like five hardcore challengers throughout his career or something like that. Like he was only playing uh, Futures, ITFs, like, even less, I think. Yeah, he only played three uh, hardcore challengers, I think, before this year. So uh, there's definitely some a bit of a scheduling change for him now. But that's also because the, the challenger tour has restructured itself a bit. Yeah, 
let's uh did you have anybody else you wanted to mention in the singles i mean there, there were a couple of good performance uh but performances from uh up and coming players let's say uh yun chao keta getting his his best win on the challenger tour for so far mm-hmm. but i was of course more focused on real news this this week yeah so we can go over to the doubles where andrew harris and christian harrison won their second title together on the challenger tour after little rock last year for Christian Harrison, back-to-back titles in Tenerife with two different uh, partners, really impressive stuff. In the final, they beat Luke Johnson and Sam Verbeek, uh, who have been playing together throughout the year, five events together. This is their first final on the Chandra Tour as a pair. All right, we go to match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, let's start with the match of the week because that's the one I already have. And uh, this is going to be clearly for me, Ilka Delor. Uh, you yeah. know, you, you knew that they played so, uh, or such a classic in Oeiras. Maybe this one didn't have the drama, but perhaps the level throughout was even higher. And you knew that they had had such a classic, you know, it was a great story that they are facing each other again. But you still thought, you know, it's it's not going to be as good. It actually was. It, it maybe even straight up better. So, uh, yeah, fantastic match to watch. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, de- definitely. Af- after that, I, I, I felt like you know that that was. I, I, I felt pumped after this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going through matches. I, I rewatched parts of it uh, today, and it was it was just great. One, it is also my match of the week. Uh, that rally at three two in the tiebreak where where Ilkel yeah. successfully lobs the Lord twice, the Lord gets it back twice, and Ilkel just finishes it with the, with the softest stop volley to to go four two up. That tiebreak overall was unbelievable. There was a great backhand to backhand rally in there. There was another great rally in there where where Ilkel just pulls the trigger on the forehand down the line, like seemingly out of out of nowhere. Uh, just incredible performances for both of these guys. I think it's going to be under consideration for for match of the year when we when we get towards the end. I, mean, I don't want to say anything too early, but I think I will definitely write this down on the on the short list when the time comes. Yeah. Much of the year, uh, much of, sorry, it was a match of the week in January. Much of the week in uh, February, maybe maybe they're going to meet in March. No? <laughs> Hopefully, we. I mean, if, if they're going to play like this, I hope they play each other every week because it's it's unbelievable stuff. Uh, yeah, upset of the week. Have you chosen somebody? Yet? Yeah, I'm. I'm looking. Uh, well, for the bookies, it was clearly Struff over uh, Gerasimov over Struff. I sort of agree. I thought Struff might have been a contender for the title. He was injured, like he pulled out injured of Davis Cup, I think. So yeah. you know, for that reason, maybe not so much, but. Then again, the extent of it, the, the way Gerasimov was serving was also huge. I think I might choose Shef, uh, Yunchao Keta over Shevchenko, though. With how much Boo has been struggled mm. with, uh, you know, struggling on the Challenger Tour since getting to it, just not really getting any impressive wins. Um, to get out someone who maybe isn't great on hardcourt still, despite that title. But I, I yeah, I, I think it was still probably more shocking to me than Gerasimov uh, in terms of like the sheer unexpectedness of the result. Yeah, I've, I've also written down Gerasimov Struff. I didn't know about, about Struff's injury, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was the biggest uh, win for, for Gerasimov so far this year by far. Obviously, he started to come back in Australia where he lost, when he won only two games against uh, Gaston. 
um, Koblenz, he got a retirement and lost to Yevsev. Here he beat Vaisa, he beat Zhukaev, but I was not expecting a win over Stu for sure. And then, on, then only wins four games against Jumhur in the next match. So it is uh, kind of weird in that way. But yeah, get Asimov over Stu for me. Yeah, and I guess we're going to be off to the uh, next week, right? We have three challenger events incoming. Very different time zones now. Uh, well, maybe not to mm -hmm. this week, but to, to what we had in some of the January and early Fe this is February weeks. Weeks. Yeah, three exciting events. Let's start in Manama in Bahrain, where we have Jason Kubler facing off with Stefano Travaglia. The special exempt, the winner will face Daniel Michalski or Yusuf Ebrahim Ahmed Kaed, who is a Bahraini's wildcard, Bahraini's wildcard. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's played since the last Manama, which was in like 2021 or something. Yeah. Uh, so Michalski will, will get a win here. That's nice. Also in the section, <laughs> Kotov faces off with Kopshiva. Uh, Abedala Sheba uh, faces off with Bekan Atlangeriev who I've not heard of before, so I'm curious to see if he has anything. Passaro uh, plays Uchida, then Justino uh, or Qualifier. Arnaldi plays a Qualifier, and then Giano or Gengel. Tomasz Machac plays Alessandro Genesi, and then one of two Qualifiers. Christopher O'Connell plays Maximilian Neukrist, and then Struff or Qualifier. And then this final section is pretty exciting. Alexi Popirin faces up with Otto Vitanen, who, if he's fit again, that should be a great match. Winner will face one of two qualifiers. Then Tanasi Kokinakis is here playing Nerman Fatic. And then Alexander Muller or Oriol Rokabataya. In the qualifying, we had a lot of doubles players subbing in today. We had Roman Yebavi uh, subbing in. We First had match Yellow since Fox 2019, Fosticio. I think, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Lost to, uh, Yebavi, lost to of course, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you know. Toshi de Matsui uh, played, but but he was already signed in with a protected ranking before. Safwat got a win. He will play Vehnelt for a spot. Uh, well, Blanche retired. Uh, Durasovic Caruso is probably whoever comes out of that could be an interesting qualifier, but it, it is quite weak in qualifying. Over in the doubles, Yebavi and Omara are the top seeds. They face Kopshiva Kotov, who are playing each other in the singles. We have Alexi Popirin play with his brother Anthony, who got killed in the qualifying, if I remember correctly. So we'll see yeah, what yeah. Could they do together. So, I mean, six one six four against Errol, five games against Errol. Yeah, well, that's not yeah. that often. Yeah, not not, yeah. not 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 as bad. I I, I I thought I I thought it was worse than that. Um, but we also have Anna Weisborn, um, Matsui Wesugi. Raja Sharan. So yeah, de decent doubles, but going back to the singles, who do you think is going to win it all in Manama? Yeah, the, the first two seats have pretty brutal matchups for sure. Uh, Vitan and Popperin, as I said, Vitan should be fine uh, physically because, well, their retirement was sickness, not, not an injury. Uh, I, I, you know, Kubler Travalia, is Stefano going to be a threat here after coming over from Tenerife? If they play Wednesday, maybe. Uh, but then I really like Kubler's draw after that. I feel like Kotov is just in pretty weak form. Passaro and Arnaldi can play in the quarterfinals, and I think whoever wins would be very close to a top on, to a top 100 debut, like probably one more match away or something like that. Uh, I would really love to see them play in the quarters. Um, they, of course, uh, faced each other in the next-gen finals group, and it was ecstatic, even though both guys didn't make it out of that, of that group. 
uh then again we've got you know O'Connell I don't know if he's that um, in such amazing form right now but he's definitely a contender but again tough quarter final if it's if it's O'Connell Mahach uh Tanasi is he is he going to repeat his performances you know from Australia this year we shall see that uh it would be a very fun quarterfinal of Kokinakis and Popperin as well Kokinakis Vitan and pretty much the same the quarters here could be really huge if if the seats hold up generally but yeah I, mm-hmm. I think I'm going with Kubler just on the basis that maybe Trevalia uh, is not going to be that much of a threat given the fact that he was just in the final uh well not in terms of the form but perhaps being tired and other than that, I really like the draw. All the other contenders, I think, have a very tough quarterfinal opponent. Kublet doesn't really. Yeah, Kublet, um, if if Trevalier is tired, then, then he has a pretty nice section. Uh, I, th- I think even all the way to the final, because Passaro and Arnaldi, I think they're stronger players than them. Uh, but we'll see. I have gone a different direction, and I, I will be going with Tanasi Kokinakis here. Um, it's obviously his his ranking has dropped out because he couldn't defend his uh, his title, uh, or or he didn't defend his title successfully rather. Uh, but he has played some really really great tennis this year. I mean, beating Popirin, uh, who he might face here in the quarterfinal, beating Rublev Kecmanovic in Adelaide. Uh, obviously, that incredible match with Andy Murray uh, at the Australian Open. I think he has shown though that that the level is still high. Uh, and I think that he will he will take advantage if, if if he can still play that tennis. He should definitely make that quarterfinal. And I I think that he is he is probably the the highest level of of the players here. We can go over to Chennai as soon as I open the draw. But in Chennai, the top seed is Chu Tseng playing Nino Sedlerosic and then Moreno de Alboran or Ferreira Silva. Also in his section is Dalibor Svecina playing a qualifier and then Mark Polmans or Uchiyama. Peniston is here, the fourth seed playing a qualifier and then Kukushkin or Mayo. Kuzmanov plays Ramanathan and then Clark plays Kuneshvaran. Maestrelli plays Dane Sweeney and then Yuxiuxu or a qualifier. Ofner faces off with Seong Chan Hong and then Artur Kazo or Nam Huang Lee. Final section, we have James Duckworth playing a qualifier. And then Hamad Majidovic playing Lil Borg, <laughs> uh, who has caused some controversies uh, in, in India with this wild card, uh, since obviously there's like Nagal or, or whoever else playing in qualifying because of him. Uh, but I mean, Lil Borg, since we last saw him, because obviously he had become a, a punchline for just sort of touring and with, with his dad and getting absolutely murdered. But I mean, he had a strong season on, on the ITFs. He's now a, a top 500 player, I think. I, I forget what his ranking is exactly. Uh, well, yeah, 500, 515. So he has he has a full season of tennis behind him, 40 wins. I am curious, actually, to see what, what he can do on this level now. Um, also in a section, Nati plays a qualifier and then Purcell or another qualifier. We can go over to the qualifying where we have Jason Jung. Kachmazov, McCabe, uh, Paulson plays Noza, who are doubles partners. That would be fun. Subin Nagal, the aforementioned, could play in the main draw. Uh, he faces Jisub Nam, who actually beat Mpechi Pericard in the qualifying. That's pretty interesting. Over to the doubles, we have Balaji and Nedunchezian as the top seats. Uh, Nagal and Sasi Kumar teaming up. Ramanathan and Vishnu Vardhan play together. Vardhan is a name that I feel like I've not seen in a while. 
uh, off Netflix is Ted Darusic. The Locke brothers are teaming up. Um, Tennyson's plays with Sercina. That's an interesting one. Paul Mans Purcell here as well. Maestro Inati. Lo- lots of great names in the doubles. I think the doubles is, is actually quite decent here in Chennai. But going back to the singles, who are you picking for the title? Hmm. Uh, in terms of Leoborg, yeah, he can actually like yeah he, he can win challenger matches now that's that's pretty clear like sometimes he he could win one should he be getting wild cards you know that's a topic for another day uh Bjorn Borg came <laughs> yeah. with him to India uh so of course that that's probably just another one of these um well tournaments thinking that inviting Bjorn Borg is going to bring them some amazing accolade and uh, you know I don't know if it really works but who who knows? Yeah, the fact that someone like Sumit Nagal is skipped over the board, yeah, it just doesn't some it just doesn't seem right. Maybe Nagal, yeah. you know, he's playing Jason Nam, he can make it out, but Nagal, you know, I think he just deserves more from the from the Federation. But you know, uh, anyway, when it comes to who can win it from the qualifying, probably not really uh that many threats. Uh so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna look at the main draw. Uh, frankly, you know, saying I don't have any confidence in right now, even though he was no. actually pretty good in this Indian swing last year. Uh, he won one event, right? I think even on hard courts in, in India. Uh, what was it? Bengaluru. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, but yeah, right now I just don't have any confidence in him. I'm super curious to, so, you know, what someone like China can do, for example, uh, after his Australian open run was so, was so exciting. And of course, um, now in Tenerife, he lost to Peniston, but that's not, that's not a terrible loss. Seven, five, seven, five, I think. Kuzmanov, um, I, we've been picking him a bit. Uh, he, of course, has one title already, but, um, I don't know. Recently, he hasn't been a title threat realistically. There are a couple of great first rounds here in that bottom half, like Maestrelli, Sweeney, um, Le Kazo, I think, was a quarterfinal in Nontaburi last year. Hong Ofner as well. I don't know if, if that's really that easy, you know? And if Ofner has to mm. play Hong, Kazo, Maestrelli, that's a draw from hell here. That's rough, yeah. This is a little stupid, frankly. I I don't know if if that's really um, something that I should be going for. I think it's a bit of a weird pick, but I'm going to go with Luca Nardi. Uh, I know he hasn't started the year that well, but right in in, in Montpellier. I mean, tough draws. Yeah, up until a certain point, it was true. But he he was also struggling. But uh, just now in Montpellier, he beat Jovier and Per. It was actually a very good Per match, I think. And he fared decently well against Rinderlech. Uh, I think, you know, in in a draw where I really have no clue who's going to win it, uh, if Nardi is at his best, he is a contender for me. And um, yeah, I think there are a lot of possible options here. It's it's definitely a lot more even than uh, Manama seemed. Interesting. I was originally going to pick Artur Kazo, but I've actually changed my mind to a different pick. So looking at this bottom half is is a lot stronger in terms of contenders than yeah. the, the, the top half i think it's fair to say and i'm thinking who can i pick out of this top half that i could see reaching the final here um and then you know once you're in the final you you, you can win it's just one match even if it's against a stronger opponent um so i decided to go with brad pedestad i i like his like his quarter a lot if it's you know Severchina, paul man's I, I don't know who it would be in the semifinals. I, I think Peniston would be the favorite. 
Uh, he's been in decent form. So yeah, Brian Penniston for the title here in, in Chennai for me. <laughs> All right, we can go over to Sherbourg. Where we have Vashik Pospishal as the top seed playing Mats Morang. Winner will then face Bellier or Celik Bilek. Also in the section, Julia Tsepieri plays Mili Polichek. Uh, winner would then play Hertz or Gajo. Second section, we have Ugo Grenier playing a qualifier and then Jan Choinski or a qualifier. Alexander Richard plays Kenny Deschepper, who's in with a wild card. Gabriel Debru is also here uh, playing a qualifier. Third section, Luca Van Ash plays Dana Dead and then Kasper Juk or qualifier. Locally faces with Escoffier and then Furness plays Goyovchik. In the fourth section, John Millman plays a qualifier and then Yoris Delour or Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo. Blanca No faces up with Collignon and then Clement Chide or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have Gautier on clan uh, as the top seed. He's still in. Jakub Menchik beat Antoine Huang and will face Droguet for a spot in the main draw. Zhukayev Yevseyev face off. Donskoy could be in here if he beats that lot. Um, yeah, overall, an, an, an intriguing, interesting uh, crop of qualifiers, I think. Over in the doubles, we have Dustin Brown and last week's champion Andrew Harris teaming up as the top seeds. Uh, we have Dzhevetsky Matuszewski splitting up here. Matuszewski playing with Bergevi and Dzhevetsky playing with Kasper Zhuk. We have also Donsko and Jaziri teaming up. Libetis and Margaroli are in here once again. Danadet is playing with Neil Oberleitner, and they're the second seeds. Um, yeah, in interesting, interesting lineup. Of, of course, Lutarevich and uh, Manafo are also in their last week's champions. But going back to the main draw, who do you think will win it all? This is a little unrelated now that he's out of the tournament, but I was just checking this uh, today. And do you know how, for how long Antoine Wang was in the um, was in the top 100? Antoine Huang was in the top 100? I, yeah. <laughs> I missed that. Okay, yeah, that, that, even that, yeah. Um, he was in, for two weeks, uh, one at 98 and one at, and what, at 100. But yeah, I, I, I honestly, <laughs> if you ask me about his career high, um, I, I had this feeling that he might have been in the top 100. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised he did wow. not because, yeah. He was like Michael Moe, but Michael Moe, of course, now is going <laughs> to bring a lot, of, a lot more weeks to his uh, tally. Uh, yeah, as you said, the qualifying here is really interesting. If if we're going to see a qualifying uh, winner this week, then it could be from here. Uh, Shukai, if you see it, that's a very fun one. Uh, between the two Kazakhstan, uh, Kazakhstan uh, natives. Well, uh, Menshik, um, yeah, if he could qualify, of course, will be a big story as well. Maybe Vatutin or Onklown. Uh, they, they could actually have a run in the main row, uh, which, is actually, which is very strong, you know, because, uh, well, uh, Manama and Chennai, not every not everyone wants to go uh, to Asia. So uh, so the European event is also really strong, especially if there's only one. Um, that kind of makes it for a tough pick as well. Uh, Clement Schideck just had a fantastic run in Montpellier too, uh, mm -hmm. almost beating Halles, Alice. But you know, in terms of just winning five challenger matches. I don't know. He he is on an absolute tear since the beginning of the year, winning a couple of 25Ks in the UK as well. Uh, Pospicial is always an option. 
Um, and he doesn't, you know, his draw is pretty good, I think. Uh, he, he usually struggles against lefties and he could play Morang and Bellier, but you know, they're not in great shape at the moment. Uh, so I'm basically looking at who um, who can sort of steer me away from Pospisil. And it's certainly no one in the second uh, half uh, or second quarter of the draw. Um, Locoli Escofia, that's a, that's a pretty fun one as well. I I, I sort of, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with for a while thinking of Bellucci and Giganta as a, as a bit of a couple. And um, also I had I definitely have this still with Koboli and Zapieri. And I, I, I do that with Locoli and Escofia too, with the way they sort of broke through by winning a few ITFs at, um, at a rather advanced stage of their career and struggled initially on the challenger level, but are now really finding their their um you know, their, their, ugh, their footing or whatever um and uh yeah vanash has not started the year well so i don't know if i um if i trust him to win five matches again Zhuk was actually pretty good in vilnius uh but i'm not gonna pick him sorry uh <laughs> yeah. I, I think he is he, oh, is, cap- he is capable of a run though but playing against the qualifier in this draw doesn't have to be easy at all uh, Blanca no Colinho is a great first round as well. I think Colinho might actually win this. Um, yeah, it, it, it has to be pospicial for me. Uh, looking at this draw, I would actually be kind of surprised if you went for something else. But, um, yeah, I am going with pospicial. Uh, just, uh, the best player here, probably. Uh, he was just in the final in Koblenz, of course. These courts, uh, well, should actually the ones in Koblenz was actually were pretty good for him too. So um, yeah, we'll see. But I, I think he's the strongest player here and the top seed. Yeah, I, I, I've also written the Vashik Pospisil, and I'm not considering do I do I stick with this or do I twist? Obviously, he is a pretty big favorite. I like his draw very much, all the way to yeah. the final. Um, I'm sort of tossing around the idea of, of Yoris Delore, uh, because I think the first three rounds for him are, are quite oh, good. Oh, I forgot about this. Uh, but when you, <laughs> uh, when you were reading out the draw, I, I heard Delore's name and I was like, oh, oh I'm going to pick him. And then I totally didn't even notice him. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Pospisil. I, I, <laughs> I think I still, I still want to go Pospisil, but I think, yeah, Delore is a serious threat too. You know what? Yeah, I, I I will go with with the lore. Uh, I think that will be more of a moral victory for me. Not picking the top seed here. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with this. <laughs> yeah, I think I picked two top seeds actually. <laughs> two top Kublar seeds yeah. and uh, Pospisil, and then in Chennai, who did I pick? Oh, Jesus, Nardi. Nardi, also the fifth seed. So at least I have one uh, a little crazy pick, and you also <laughs> have like uh, who did you have? The lore. The lower Kokinak is in Peniston, so the highest okay. have, the fourth seed is Peniston, but mm. no, no top three seeds for me. No, that, that, that's good. I mean, it, we're, it's, we're gonna see if it's good in terms of uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it turns points. out. That, that, that's what I'll see. If, if I if I get three points and you get none, then I then it will be good, but yeah, we were on some very high, high scores, um, until recently, but now after that, yeah. that week of Vilnius and Tenerife, we've, we've, we've cooled off a bit, but I, I feel like we, we're ready to start it up again. Hopefully, uh, with, with uh, hopefully I'm going to get uh, three points next week and not you. Uh, but anyway, uh, thanks, thanks guys for listening. We're going to be back in a week to discuss Manamash, Chennai, and uh, Sherbrooke. Uh, we uh, hope that you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed all the um, extra content from Vilnius and some uh, idiotic stories from Vilnius as well. But also all the other talk about uh, about Wu, about Fields, and about uh, all the other challengers. So see you in a week. 
Bye.